for the last um, for the last uh, last week, we started a brand new series here. It's called "Oh, Be Careful." Um, and uh, the other day, uh, I was thinking about this message that we we're going to preach. That I was going to preach tonight. Called it was going to be called "Oh, Be Careful, Little Ears." Um, and then this whole thing kind of spiraled and out of control. This crazy coronavirus, and I, I kept hearing more and more and more about it. And I kept seeing more about it on the news. Uh, I kept hearing more about it on social media. Uh, one day I sat at my desk and just watched the Twitter feed go on my computer and just story after story after story. And this is getting closed and that is getting closed. And these, these people are self-quarantining and all, all, all these things. And I'm like, man, how is this going to affect us as a church? How is this going to affect us as people? How is this going to affect us as a society? You know, I was really worried about it. I went to the grocery store this morning at 6.30. Meyer. Okay, I went to Meyer at 6.30 this morning. And, and it was packed. On a Saturday morning at 6.30, it was packed. There was not a roll of toilet paper, excuse me, to be found in the entire building. And just an FYI, if you are buying paper towel to use, don't, don't use it for those purposes. You'll be calling a plumber. So, um, but I mean, and, and I'm trying to think, you know, why, why, why all this, you know, hoopla and hysteria? It's because we're scared, right? We're scared. And, and maybe not for ourselves so much, but we're scared for people that we know. You know, we're scared for people who have these, you know, mitigating health circumstances. We're, we're scared for people we know who are immunocompromised. We're scared for people that, uh, who might get sick or who might pass it on. I mean, it's, it's scary. And so I think it's okay to be scared. But I don't think it's okay to, to freak out so bad that we just stop. Because there are some real opportunities that we have as a church family. That we can do some pretty good things in the opportunities that afford themselves in a time of crisis. Because I believe that crisis affords opportunities. And tonight I want to talk to you about an opportunity that we have to address this crisis in a very practical way. So I want you to hang with me for just a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about a, a passage of scripture from the book of 1 John. Uh, the book of 1 John is my favorite book of the Bible. Uh, it is a, a short little book right towards the end. It's, it's three books before the book of Revelation. So it's, it's written uh, around uh, 80, 90 years uh, after the birth of Jesus, uh, written by one of Jesus's friends uh, and one of his disciples named John. Uh, and uh, it's, it's the best book in the Bible, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but don't take my word for it. You're going to love this passage that we're gonna, I'm going to preach from tonight. So if you brought a Bible, uh, turn to 1 John chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. Down on the bottom, there should be a Bible somewhere around there in front of you. You can grab that Bible. It's on page 988 of that Bible, page 988. Or you can follow along on a Bible app on your phone like Version. Or we have an app here at GFCC. Uh, if you can go to your app store, whether it's the iTunes store or the Google Play store, and search for GFCC, you can download our church app. There's all kinds of things you can do through the app. Uh, you can give your tithes and offerings. You can follow along with sermon notes, uh, as well as uh, get push notifications about things that are going on around here. Just go to your app store and search for GFCC. And so we're going to take a look at this passage tonight from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21, as we talk about an opportunity 
that crisis affords. Um, so let's look at this. We're going to take this in four pieces. Uh, and uh, this is in um, 1 John chapter 4. And this is what it says, starting in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, the New Testament was written in the language of ancient Greek. And the ancient Greek word for love in this passage is the word agape. How many of you have ever heard the word agape? So agape love is unconditional love. It is a love of the will, of the choice. It is choosing to love somebody in an unconditional, unlimited, unselfish kind of way. That's the kind of love that we're talking about. And that's the kind of love that John says in, in probably the most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3.16, when it says that God so loved the world, it's that Greek word agape, that God loves the world with an unlimited, unconditional, unselfish kind of love. He loves you with that kind of love. He loves me with that kind of love. He loves the whole world and everybody in it with that kind of love. And he says uh, that God is love, that God is the very definition of agape love. God is the very definition of unconditional, unlimited, unselfish love. That is who God is. And so he says, since uh, we are loved in this way. Since we are loved, we ought to love one another. We are to love each other with this unconditional, unlimited, unselfish kind of love. And he says that love, God is the source of love. You know, a lot, mm, there are churches out there who will tell you that God hates these people or God hates those people or God hates this or God hates that. And my Bible tells me that God is love. And so, uh, my favorite aspect about God, my favorite thing about God is his love, that God loves you and God loves me too. And I think it's so important that we understand that, that we try and grasp that a little bit in our lives, that God really is in love with you and he really is in love with me and that he will never, ever, ever stop loving you because God is love. Um, he says that we know that we know what love is because God sent his son into the world. That God sent his son Jesus into the world because he loves the world so much. And he sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And what that means is that Jesus took our place. That we deserve death and punishment because of our sins. But because of God's love, he let Jesus take the punishment for our sins. Jesus took your punishment when he took your place. He took your place on the cross. And so when Jesus took your punishment, when he took your place, he made it possible for you to come to God, that if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him, turning away from sin and repentance, confessing your faith and getting baptized, God's going to wash away all your sins and God's going to forgive you all your sins. He's going to fill you with his Holy Spirit, that his spirit will come to live inside of you, that God will live inside you. And he says it's the, the love that we have is not it's not our love. It's the love that God has for us. And we know what love is because Jesus came and showed us what love is. And he says, if, we're gonna, if we know what love is, then we got to love each other. And I think that's so important. That the love that God has for us 
we are to reflect that love to everybody else. That his love is to inform our love. And that we should love people the way that God loves people. Unconditionally, unlimited, and in an unselfish kind of way. Let's keep going. Verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. That we know this love because of Jesus. Jesus was the perfect Son of God. He never sinned in any way. And yet they killed him. They crucified him for your sins and mine. That Jesus was the perfect human sacrifice who could take away our sins. In the Old Testament, they, had to, uh, they would uh, offer an animal sacrifice. An animal would be sacrificed uh, to take away the sins of the people. And God said, no, that's not good enough. There needs to be a human sacrifice to take away the sins of humanity. And that's why Jesus came. To be that perfect human sacrifice that could take away all of our sins. And now I said, like I said, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he will do just that. He will take away all your sins. He will change your eternal destiny and he will fill you with his Holy Spirit. And that spirit testifies that Jesus is the son of God. Let's keep going. The other half of verse 16 says this, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And what John is telling us is that we have nothing to be afraid of. That because of God's perfect love for you and me, because God loves you and God loves me, we don't have to be afraid of God. We don't have to be terrified of God. Now, we need to revere God, we need to honor God, we need to respect God, but we don't have to be scared of him. I mean, he's bigger than us and he could take us out at any minute, but, he, but what does John say? Perfect love drives out fear. That fear has to do with punishment. And I'm here to tell you tonight that God is not out to get you. God is not out to send you to hell. God is not out to punish you. God is not out to send anyone to hell. That's the last thing God wants. In fact, the Bible says that God desires that no one should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance and everyone would be saved. God wants everyone to be saved. So we don't have to be afraid of God, but we need to respect him and we need to revere him and we need to worship him, but we don't need to be terrified of God. Because he is on our side. The Bible says that if God is for us, who can be against us? And the fact is, is that God is for you. God is on your side. God is on team you. It's because he loves you. And he wants to spend forever with you. He proved it by sending his son Jesus. And he proved it by filling you with his spirit and coming to live inside of you. Like it says, the perfect love drives out fear. And we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear hell. We don't have to fear punishment because Jesus came to take away all fear. We'll talk about that in just a second. Finally, look at verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God 
must also love their brother and sister. And so because we have this incredible love that comes from God, because God loves the world so much, he wants us to love other people. He wants us to share his love with everyone. He wants us to share his love with people, especially in the church. But even outside the church, we are called to love everybody. Everyone. Well, Sean, what if they do this? Everyone. Sean, what if they do that? Everyone. Sean, what if they look like this? Everyone. Sean, what if they act like that? What am I going to say? Everyone. God calls us to love everyone. And this is how we know that his love is in us because it just comes out of us and flows through us to everyone around us. This love has to just bubble over out of us to everyone we meet, to everyone we know, to everyone we see, to everyone we encounter. This love that is inside of us that comes from God has to bubble over and, and just effervesce right outside of us to everyone. And so tonight, I want to challenge you in three ways. I believe that crisis affords opportunities. We are in the midst of a crisis, not just a, a local crisis, not just a statewide crisis, not just a national crisis, but a global crisis. People are getting sick and people are dying. And our government is trying to get ahead of it as fast as they can. So I have some suggestions about how crisis affords opportunities. First, crisis affords you the opportunity to show faith. Crisis affords you the opportunity to show faith. Now, what does faith look like? What does faith mean? It means choosing to believe Choosing to trust over fear. Because, let's face it, there's a lot to be afraid of. Not just this time, not just in this pandemic. There's a lot to be afraid of anytime you drive into Chicago. There's a lot to be afraid of. We're afraid for our children. We're afraid for our grandchildren. We're afraid for our parents. We're afraid for our grandparents. We're afraid for our brothers and sisters. There's so much to be afraid of. But I believe that perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment, as John said. And we have nothing to be afraid of because God is not out to get you. He's only out to get you into heaven. He is not out to punish you. He is out to save you. He is on team you. And he wants to spend forever with every single one of you. So, crisis affords us the opportunity to show faith over fear. I want to show you a verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So God is not, when you get filled with God's spirit, you do not have a spirit of fear. You have a spirit of power. You do not have a spirit of timidity. You have a spirit of love. You have a spirit of self-discipline. You have a spirit of power within you, a spirit of faith in you, not a spirit of fear. So you don't have to be afraid. You got nothing to be afraid of. I said this in a sermon a few weeks ago, that death is not the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. That when we take our last breath, my brothers and sisters, when we take our last breath on earth, the next breath we take is in heaven, in the arms of Jesus. So we don't have to be afraid of death. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know where you're going. And if you have doubts about that, 
Well, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Because his promises are sure and his promises are true. Um, crisis affords you the opportunity to show faith. So the next time people start freaking out in the toilet paper line, remember where your help comes from. Remember who is greater than anything in this world. Remember that God is with you and that you can have your, put your faith in him and he will get you through whatever you're going through. Crisis affords the opportunity to show faith. Crisis also affords the opportunity to show love. Crisis affords the opportunity to show love. And that's what we need to do, right? We have received this incredible love from God that God has shown us his love in this mighty way, in this powerful way. And so we need to be able to, we need to go out, we need to show this love to others. And I have a real practical challenge for you in about five minutes that I'm going to share with you. But we need to, we need to not turn inward when we're faced with a, an opportunity. When we're faced with a crisis, we don't turn inward. When we're faced with a crisis, we turn outward. And we show the love that we've received from God to everyone we can. And so I want you to think tonight about some practical ways that you can show love to people in the midst of this crisis. You know, maybe it's a, a, an elderly neighbor who can't get out of the house. Maybe you can go grocery shopping for him or her. Say, what do you need? And you go grocery shopping for them. Maybe you can make them a few meals. Because some of the, the folks in our community who are um, older or who have immune, uh, compromised immune systems, you know, if you know of somebody who can't get out or is being told not to get out, how can you show God's love to them in a practical way? If you know parents who both work and they just found out on Friday afternoon that all their kids are going to be staying home for the next four weeks, um, that's a shock. You know, how can you help those families? What can you do to help a family who's going to have to find childcare. Maybe you can do something for them. Maybe you can watch their kids a couple of days a week or team up with some other parents to watch their kids for a couple of days a week. Some of you are like, you don't know my neighbor's kids. <laughs> but how can you practically show God's love, the love that you have received, the love that you know that you have from God, how can you show that love to someone else? Crisis shows you the opportunity to, uh, affords you the opportunity to show love. And that's what we're called to do. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39, Jesus said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor is not ju just the person who lives next door to you. It's not just the person who lives across the street from you. Your neighbor is anyone you come into contact with. Your family might be your neighbor. Your neighbor might be your neighbor. Your coworker might be your neighbor. The kid uh, whose parent, the, the, the parents of the kid who plays soccer with your kid, that's your neighbor. Your enemy, by the way, your enemy is your neighbor. And it's like, I don't like my neighbor. Well, God tells you to love your neighbor, enemy or not. So how can you show God's unconditional, unlimited, unselfish kind of love to your neighbor? Finally, crisis affords you the opportunity to show service. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said this, 
For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus came to show us what service looks like. And so we have an opportunity, church. I'm telling you right now, we're going to take an opportunity to show some service. We're going to show some faith. We're going to show some love. And we're going to show some service. We are going to um, do something pretty powerful for our community in the next four weeks. If you are a parent of a Griffith school child, you probably got a call Friday afternoon that, oh, by the way, your kids are staying home for the next four weeks. And some of you probably got pretty panicky. And you're like, how am I going to take care of these kids? Or how am I going to feed these kids? Well, I have an idea. I have an idea I want to share with you. Um, for the next four weeks, we as a church here at GFCC are going to provide meals uh, for those kids. And we need your help because we can't do it by ourselves. So for the next four weeks, we're going to provide meals. If you go in our kitchen right now, there's about 60 loaves of bread already, about 30 jars of peanut butter and jelly, and we're going to provide meals for kids in our community. Um, we're going to do this starting Monday. Uh, it's going to be a grab-and-go kind of thing. We're going to uh, do kind of on-demand peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or cheese sandwiches. And when they pull up, we'll find out how many kids are in the car, hand them three bags. Of, if there's three kids, they get three bags of food, and they can go on their merry way. But like I said, this is going to cost both time. It's going to cost uh, money. And so what we do here at GFCC, when we take up a special offering, I bring this little thing out. This is called our hope chest. We don't do it very often, maybe once every couple of years. We did it a few years ago when we built a couple of water points, a couple wells in Africa. We dug a couple wells in Africa through life water, and uh, we did that. Uh, and, uh, and, and I sprung that on the congregation. I didn't tell them it was coming. We raised uh, $13,000. So it's out there. Now it's up to us to give. So if you want to tonight, if you want to give toward this project of helping people, uh, helping families uh, feed their kids, uh, I want you to grab your wallet, write a check or something like that, and just bring it up here in just a minute and do that. Now, you say, I don't have any cash and I don't write checks. I got you covered. <laughs> we have a website, gfcc.net slash give. And you can go there and you can uh, give uh, your, uh, to this cause by choosing the fund uh, ch uh, Hope Chest Offering, Special Offering, Hope Chest Special Offering. Or you can do this. You can go to the GFCC app. This is what our app looks like. And there on the bottom is a little heart that says Give. And then you go to the next screen. And it'll say you, how much you want to give. Give one time. You choose tithes and offerings. You choose that menu there and go to Hope Chest Special Offering. And you can give uh, toward this cause that way. And so here in just a second, we're going to play a video of a song called Be One by Natalie Grant. It says, instead of waiting for a miracle to come, we get to be one. And we're going to be a miracle for some folks in the next four weeks. So if you do me a favor and spread the word that we're going to be doing this. And if you would do me a favor and throw some money in the Hope Chest tonight or give through online. Um, we want to make a difference. And I think we're going to. And I think we're going to uh, take advantage of this opportunity that this crisis has afforded us to be the hands, feet, and heart of Jesus. This uh, chest will be here 
after the service, uh, if you want to come and throw something in there, that's fine. Um, also, the last thing I need from you is I need a few of you to sign up tonight at the Connection Center to say that you want to come and help make food. Uh, you want to come if you are relatively healthy, uh, preferably like totally healthy, um, and you want to come make sandwiches and put together sack lunches this week, we're going to be here at 9 o'clock uh, in the morning each day this week doing this. Uh, if you can go shopping, uh, if you can uh, take and, and go shopping for food as well, uh, we can use the help with that as well. Um, so this is what it all boils down to. Let's be the church. Let's not just go to church. Let's be the church and believe, love, and serve like Jesus.